Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. I'm not going to bother with the niceties today, let's just jump straight into what everyone's talking about. Joshua Reese 2, what an absolute disaster from start to finish. I don't think there's been anything in boxing in the last few years where perception and reality have been so far apart. We were led up the garden path for month after month after month when it actually turned out all the things Hearn thought he had, he didn't have it all. So now we end up in a position where potentially the biggest heavyweight fight since Tyson Lewis is in a location where they don't really care about boxing, a location most boxing fans can't be bothered to go to, and a location that's not memorable. It's not a legacy location for a legacy fight. If this is Joshua's legacy fight, if this is the redemption, is happening not even in a capital city of a Middle Eastern country. It's happening in a small city on the outskirts. How has this been allowed to happen? Nobody wants Drinia. Nobody wants whatever it's called, drink water. Nobody wants that location. We wanted London. We wanted New York. We wanted Las Vegas. Instead, Hearn has given us a poor man's Jeddah. We didn't even want Jeddah for the World Boxing Super Series final. And we're forced to take Jeddah. And... You know, we'll touch on some of these things about what makes Saudi Arabia an unappealing location for a boxing event. We'll touch on those later, but let's actually just look at this. You're Anthony Joshua. What we know for certain is as a professional, you don't travel well. Because the one time you've really had to travel, you've lost, and you've lost comprehensively. Not only have you lost comprehensively, everything about the camp looked wrong. Nothing about it looked focused. Nothing that was coming out of the camp was positive. It looked like crisis after crisis after crisis, which is all well and good and it's fine. But ultimately, as a high-performing athlete, what you're really looking for is the ability to execute in any location under any pressure. And Andrew Ruiz has shown he is capable of doing so. I don't think Joshua has. And I actually think the trip to Saudi does him more harm than it does good. So we come back to this question, why Saudi Arabia? Team Joshua's been in crisis for at least the last 12 months. So if we go back to pre-September, and there was an awareness within the camp that the skill set Joshua had was not a top-level skill set. Whatever they tell you, that is the reason the Wilder fight didn't happen. They did not believe for one second they could beat Wilder. And they knew they couldn't beat Wilder. Why? Everything Joshua does is tailor-made for Deontay Wilder, and Andy Ruiz showed that. Wilder can punch in combinations, and he can punch relentlessly. And what happens with Joshua when he gets hit? He does a bit of a Frank Bruno. He freezes up, he seizes up, and all his decision-making goes tits up. He, he gets into what is essentially survival mode. He, he doesn't come out and attack. It's not in him. Those instincts aren't bred in him. And this was accepted. So the challenge then became, if he's not that kind of guy, how do you then turn Anthony Joshua into a guy who can reign as a unified and maybe undisputed heavyweight champion for three or four years because that's the revenue projection they were looking at. Three or f- three to five years at the top, making 50 million paydays continuously. And all of a sudden they realized, actually, this guy's not that good. He's a great trainer. He has a great mindset. He has a great character, but he's not that good. He's not the alpha in the division. And so they started to scout potential additions to the team way back when. So this is the end of 2018. And they looked at potential coaches, and one of the names that was mentioned was Barry Robinson. Why? Because Joshua liked what he was doing with Don Ciccoli. 
but it was a very myopic view. It was very short-sighted because what they didn't realise was Barry Robinson has no overall philosophy and Joshua's problem is he has no overall philosophy. He's a standard McCracken fighter. Find someone who's strong, find someone who likes to train hard, make him super fit and make him good at throwing the basics. And that is all Anthony Joshua was about. Be consistent for 12 rounds throwing heavy shots, not even powerful shots, just heavy shots till you grind your opponent down. And even Joshua knew that wasn't good enough and Joshua knew he had to change that. How do you change that? Do you bring in a guy like Barry Robinson, special forces, so to speak? But I don't think he wanted the gig. And there are a number of reasons why you wouldn't want the gig. Number one, if you're a serious trainer, if you're really about this sport, and if in your heart of hearts you believe the way you think about boxing is right, you want to be the man in the corner. You want to be the head trainer. To be on the side is never quite the same, and you never give of yourself in the same way you would if your nuts were on the line. So I can imagine Barry Robinson was a thanks but no thanks. I also imagine that people in the sport told him that a lot of what Barry does is smoke and mirrors. And ultimately what ends up happening is you're back to the drawing board. So now you're into early 2019 and you don't know who you're going to fight. So you can't find anyone that complements the skill set and is willing to accept the terms you're offering. And this is another thing that becomes synonymous with Team Joshua, the unwillingness to put your hand in your pocket. So what they're offering special coaches is not that much. What they offer sparring partners is nothing. They believe being part of Team Joshua and being part of that movement is all a coach wants. And that's not true. In fact, when you're a trainer, that's the last thing you need. That's a lot of overhead for not much reward with a fighter who really we've probably seen the best of. So all of that tells you that this has been a team in crisis from that perspective, from a technical boxing perspective. They don't know what to do with Joshua. They don't know how to turn him into a guy who can guarantee wins, like Andre Ward would. You always knew with Andre Ward he'd find a way to win. Whereas with Joshua, you get the feeling that he fights to survive. And if he can get over that hurdle, he might just take you out, just on sheer force of personality. It's not fundamental, and it's not skill, and it's not really being a good boxer. It's being a big lump who can punch a bit. Which brings us to the commercial side of Anthony Joshua. And this is where it gets interesting. We've had for the last few years this myth that Joshua's the biggest star in boxing. The numbers he grosses boggle the mind. He's a one-man FTSE 100 company. He's a Fortune 500 company in his own right. Anthony Joshua's going to be the guy that ends up being the first billion-dollar boxer. Whatever it is he called himself back then, we got fed the bullshit. We got fed the nonsense. We got fed the hyperbole. It was, it was embarrassing to hear, but at the time, we weren't really sure. What we now know over time, what we understand over time, and what is true now is Anthony Joshua isn't commercially appealing. Look at the brands. He still has the same brands he had two or three years ago. He hasn't moved up the value chain in terms of brands. Why? From what I've heard, some of these brands do their own independent investigations around Anthony Joshua, and some of the stuff they hear they don't like. And they're worried that that will come out, and they don't want him associated with the brand, which is fair enough. That is their choice. But commercially, the Anthony Joshua project has stalled somewhat, and they don't know how to move him into that stratosphere. They don't know how to turn him into a Roger Federer. They don't know how to turn him into a LeBron James, because he's not quite that sort of athlete. He's not special. He looks special, but he's not special. And what Anthony Joshua does in the ring is not that special. So it's probably a good time to revisit the 
50 million offer from Deontay Wilder for Anthony Joshua to unify. The $50 million offered to Joshua to fight Wilder for all of the belts was real. And I think we all accept the offer was real now. And we now look back and wonder why was it turned down. And I think we now realise it was turned down because it was only Joshua who benefited from that. And not the legion of hangers-on, leeches, exploiters, slave masters that control him. And that's why the offer was summarily rejected. And if that sounds far-fetched, now look at it. Anthony Joshua, Britain's heavyweight gold medalist, our second one since Audley Harrison, probably our, instead of commercial appeal, our best one, is having to fly to not Riyadh, not Jeddah, drink water. He's off to drink water in Saudi Arabia, middle of a desert. Maybe there's a mirage. Six camels will watch this fight live. That's where Anthony Joshua's going to win his belts back. A modern-day British hero is how he was portrayed. That's how Land Rover was sold Anthony Joshua. A modern-day British hero. It might have been modern-day British icon. Don't quote me on that. All the GQ covers, all the TV shows, all of their hard work, Madison Square Garden, to then go to drink water. To basically box in a sandpit with camels and horses and shit doing long jump and triple jump into that sand right there. That's where Joshua is now. Why? Because someone paid a bucket load of money and it's not Mayweather money. Let's be clear about this. Joshua's not in Saudi for, for Mayweather money. Because if that were the case, Mayweather would be in Saudi for Mayweather money. Does that make sense? Joshua's gone there because... The people around him can make the most money from him by selling him there. Josh was essentially a two-legged piece of meat. And on a human level, that's quite upsetting. Because you look at Anthony Josh and you look, he looks like someone who's fallen out of love with boxing. You see him in his videos at Finchley Boxing Club, around other boxers, around other coaches, and he looks happy. He looks pleased to be there. He looks rejuvenated and then you see him do the media stuff and you can see it's a man who doesn't want to do this he doesn't want to be involved in whatever it is that these guys are about he doesn't and it's sad to watch but he signed up for this this is exactly what joshua signed up for and at any time it's too much for him he can walk away and he can walk away a man wealthier than he was when he started this process and we should congratulate him for that we should definitely respect him for that because that's not an easy thing to achieve what we can't forgive him for is conning the fans and telling the fans that they were important, that boxing in Britain was important to him. Well, actually, it might be important to him, but it's not important to the Joshua Project. So there are two things you need to look at. There's Anthony Joshua, the boxer. There's Anthony Joshua, the guy that would like to have all four belts. And then there's the Anthony Joshua Project. So one has one man and his legacy, and the other side of the line is everybody else. Barry Hearn, Eddie Hearn, Freddie Cunningham, this person, that person. All those guys you see in the photographs after he wins, all those guys you see in the photographs and the videos on social media, they're the guys with the Joshua Project. Can we turn one man into a billion-dollar corporation? And right now the answer is God, no. Mainly because they don't have the right man, and we now realize this, and this is true. They do not have the right man to lead their project. And that's okay. I have no issue with that. I'm, I'm happy to say, look, Joshua's a good fighter, he's an interesting fighter, 
And he's done well for himself. He doesn't carry the aura that Deontay Wilder does. He doesn't have the charisma Tyson Fury does. And when these guys like Dubois, Joyce, Hergovic, and Yoka start coming up, I don't think he can hang with those guys either. So then you look and you go, what is he in it for? He's almost in that Ronda Rousey type position where he's elevated the heavyweight game to a certain level, but everyone that follows him is just that little bit better, that little bit hungrier, and that little bit more savvy. As the old expression goes, it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. But really where the Joshua Project went wrong was in failing to understand what boxing's really about. Boxing's not like wrestling as much as we want boxing to be like wrestling from a commercial perspective. Boxing's about reality and authenticity. People want to believe that what goes on in the ring is real. People want to believe that the fight is two men putting their souls on the line. That's why when you find out that a fight has been doping, when you find out that someone threw a fight, it goes against all of our values because we look at these guys as modern-day gladiators. That's what they are. And so when you don't sell that to the public, it's hard to make money. Whatever people want to say, that's what Mayweather sold, modern-day gladiator. Mayweather's as authentic a boxer as you can have, born into it. Father, uncles, all boxers, born into it. Boxed when he was young. He has a legacy in the sport. Joshua just showed up and he was a big lump that people saw they could make money from. It's a massive exercise in exploitation. And that's not to say Joshua doesn't benefit from it, but I don't think his soul does. I think financially he might do, but he's selling a lot of his soul for that. Is it worth it? Only he knows the answer to that. That's the reality. Only he can look deep inside of himself and say, this is who I really am. This is what I want to achieve, and so this is the price I'm willing to pay. And if he's willing to pay that, then it's not for us to criticize him. What it is for us to do is not engage in the process and not engage in the games that are going to start now. Because when you look at it honestly, how many boxing people are there in Team Joshua? Is Eddie Hearn really a boxing person? No, he's a boxing fan, but he's not really a boxing person. Is Freddie Cunningham a boxing person? Not really. Is anyone in, in his immediate entourage a boxing person? The answer is no. They're people who are trying to make a living. They're not boxing people. And had they been boxing people, Joshua's career would have ended up fundamentally different. Because they would have let him do things the hard way. And they would have prepared him for this moment. Instead of trying to accelerate it. And they've chased the money and not chased the legacy. That's essentially what the Joshua Project's been about. Chase that revenue at all costs. I think the Anthony Joshua project, as a man, he wants to be a better boxer. He wants to be like Erislandi Savon, the guy who I think beat him in the Olympics. He wants to be that kind of boxer, intelligent, fluid, slick. He wants to be that. But the commercial reality says you need to be a big lump and we need to get you to be a big lump because that's what the fans demand. And that can't be good for your mental health long term. And I wonder... What will happen if Joshua actually does lose? Will we see the end of Anthony Joshua after this? Is this the end of Joshua? Perhaps. I don't think he's got anything left to do if he loses to Ruiz. Because we know deep down Ruiz is probably his kryptonite, his Achilles heel. Ruiz is short. His torso is so long that getting to his liver is more of an effort for Joshua than it's worth. He shells up so well that you can't really get a clean headshot unless Ruiz gets careless. And in this rematch, he doesn't have to get careless because he knows two things. One, he can hurt Joshua. Two, Joshua hasn't got the stamina to do the 12. 
So Ruiz has all the aces in this one. And so, from a boxing perspective, what do you do with Joshua? How do you make him better? I don't think you have time. And I speak as someone who's had to answer that question for that team. And I don't believe there is time. And I don't believe there's anyone that can fix that. I think 12 months' time, you can create another Joshua. I just don't think in this time frame you can. And it's worrying that they've gone straight into the rematch without correcting the mistakes of the past. Number one is you don't have boxing people in your circle. So all of this is scientists and it's lab, lab coat people and so all these people telling Joshua what he needs to do. There's not many boxing people who are saying, look, this is what you need to do. Who are you going to get in for sparring? Probably have no idea who you're going to get in for sparring. I have a feeling they'll get a young lad in, a young amateur who's with the GB setup who will give Joshua all kinds of help. And, you know, we've given him the blueprint to make sure that he does that. And hopefully Joshua's smart enough to realize this is my gift to him. He's going to have a sparring partner that's going to have him thinking in the right ways. But I don't know if that's too little too late. I really don't. And I worry because as much as I criticize Anthony Joshua, I respect the fact that he's confounded stereotypes and he's confounded the odds to be the man that he is now. And we really have to respect that. So do Team Joshua see the writing on the wall? Do they now realise, does the Joshua Project now realise it's on borrowed time? Does the Joshua Project now realise maybe we don't have three to five years at the top? Maybe we've got this Ruiz fight and maybe one more after that? And so we need to make sure we get paid. Because a lot of revenue projections are predicated on Joshua money, Joshua fighting. You know, Matchroom falls apart if Joshua retires after the Ruiz fight. That's the reality of it. The DAZN money's cool, but you've got no pull after that. I'm not trying to hear Callum Smith. I'm not trying to hear Josh Kelly. I'm not trying to hear any other name on that roster apart from Joshua, because that's all they have. And when that's all you have, it's difficult to build a stable. And this is where Frank Warren's been smart, where Frank's spread his risk across any number of people who could be stars. Hearn's just backed one horse. And he's been so zealous in backing that horse that what's ended up happening is he's painted himself into a Joshua-sized corner. And if Joshua does lose, and if Joshua decides, actually, this boxing thing isn't for me, and if I can't fight guys like Wilder and feel confident beating them, why am I doing this? I'm not about to just sell my name to please other people. If that happens, then matchroom are in crisis. It might not be a long-term crisis, but quick enough that other promoters can steal a march on them. And I think that's ultimately what they're scared of at the moment, that this is the Saudi cash-out. And if it is the Saudi cash-out, it will be a really unfortunate way for Joshua to end his time at the top were he to lose. Because for all of my criticism, and I do criticise him a lot, you want him to go out with a degree of dignity because he's done a lot for British boxing. Some people say he reinvigorated British boxing. I'd argue it was George Groves that did it, but that's my opinion. He definitely helped take it to another level. We will remember Wembley and we will remember the Klitschko fight. But ultimately now we're in, 20, what, we're in 2019 going into 2020. And the man's career is borderline finished. It's in tatters. And if Ruiz wins again, then it's game over. Because this wasn't a guy, Andy Ruiz, who we saw as a threat. But then I guess what's even more saddening is if Joshua did win... As much as you'd call for the unification fight, do you know what would happen next? 
Anthony Joshua versus Huey Fury. That's what we've got next if Joshua wins. Rest assured, it is Anthony Joshua versus Huey Fury at Wembley if Joshua wins. It will not be Wilder. They do not want Wilder. They're hoping someone can take the belt off Wilder. This is what the whole Dillian White WBC thing has always been about. And this is what people never talked about. Dillian can go down any route with the governing bodies. He's comfortably the fourth best heavyweight on the planet. He could go the WBO route, force a mandatory. He could have gone the IBF route against Pulev and forced a mandatory. He could have gone the WBA route and forced a mandatory. They've kept him in the WBC because they believe style-wise he matches up better with Wilder than Joshua does. It would probably for reasons of size, chin and so forth, but they're all falling apart as well. So that's why they've kept him in that lane because they, they'd rather Joshua fought Dillian for that belt than he fought Deontay Wilder. And so Dillian's career has been pegged to his role as, I think in Siphon they call it the domestique, the guy that has to take the eventual winner through all the tricky parts of the, of the tour. And that's basically Dillian's role at the moment. He's a well-paid domestique. You can't make this up. All they want is to find a way of stealing the belt. It's like, what's the path of least resistance to make Joshua unified and undisputed champion? But come December 7th, in drink water, in whatever, wherever that place is, it's game over. I genuinely believe Ruiz has the beating of him. And... Once that happens, hopefully the fans will now realise Joshua is good at a certain level. But had Charles Martin not held that belt, would he really be a world champion now? You have to wonder. So, so what have we got to look forward to? Here's what we've got to look forward to. Weeks of spin. Right? Joshua will come out. It's his road to redemption. He needs to make things right. The fight was stopped unfairly. He feels he was winning the fight. He was comfortable in the fight. Yet it's very strange how he didn't remember anything about the fight in the immediate aftermath. Yet two months later, he remembers the fight with absolute clarity. He's so analytical in reviewing his performance to the point where you think, if you know this much about your performance, why the hell did you perform the way you did? So we're now into full silly season. We're into spin mode. We're into you know, just basically bullshit bingo. And by the end of it, we will genuinely wonder if Ruiz actually won that fight. And the bookmakers will make Joshua favourite again. So if you want some Christmas money, just put money on Ruiz to stop Joshua again. Because that's the likely outcome of this fight. As long as Ruiz stays hungry and stays disciplined, then I think this is an easy fight for him. Guys, really appreciate you listening this far. If you've listened this far, as always, if you like what you hear, get in touch at Twitter. You know, via Twitter, sorry, I should say. At Highfield Boxing, get in touch via Instagram, at Highfield Boxing. Be really appreciated, though. Liking, the sharing, the following is what helps build the community, is what helps get the word out, because we need to be calling people out on their bullshit, and this is the worst kind of bullshit. There's nothing worse than lying to the fans and saying they're important to the Anthony Joshua journey, when in reality, this Anthony Joshua project has always been about revenue, and not even revenue in Anthony Joshua's pocket, revenue in everybody else's pocket. Once again, thank you, and do get in touch. Instagram, Twitter, let's have the conversation. You know, let's make it fun, let's make it interesting. Have a great day, guys, and enjoy. <laughs>